Hello everyone and welcome to the Football Betting Podcast World Cup 2022 special. I'm your host Tom Pipkin, joined as ever by my co-host Tom Walker and we have definitely got an action-packed show for you today. We're going to go through the World Cup group stage in detail, um, plus a few outrights for the World Cup as well. We are sponsored by Matchbook.com for this big event as well, so please do check out Matchbook.com. Use the sign-up code TFBPODCAST on registration and you can get a £30 money back as a free bet. Plus, if you keep an eye on our Twitter page, there is a new sign-up offer for Matchbook coming out, which is really exciting. Uh, That'll be out for the start of the World Cup, so yeah, keep your eyes peeled on Twitter for that one. Yeah, it's going to run in tandem with our World Cup attack, Tom. So uh, people are talking about Saka, Foden, Grealish, Kane, Sterling. Who's going to be the front three for England? Well, I know the Football Betting Podcast front three, and it's in. Oh yeah, it's the it's the throbbing docket. So it is it is the World Cup guide. So we've got an absolutely free World Cup guide that we spent way too much time on and went way too much in depth on. Uh, we summarise it with some of our tips as well. It's absolutely free. All you got to do is get, give us a retweet on Twitter, T underscore FB podcast. So, so that's left wing, the throbbing docket. Then on the right wing, we've got Twitter tips. So every single match, even the third place playoff, is going to be covered by us with a tip in association with Matchbook. The only place where you can get it will be Twitter, T underscore FB podcast. We just simply don't have the resources to do a pod every single day. And then down the middle, the number nine is the podcasts. So we're going to do this one, which is the outright preview. And then once the knockouts come round, we're going to do the uh, the knockout preview and have a look at uh, how some of our outright shouts and group shouts went as well. Uh, so a little review preview. Uh, everything's in partnership with Matchbook, so thanks again for their support. But that's our thrun, front three, Tom. That's the uh, that's the tactic for the World Cup. Yeah. Well, mate, I think that's probably the best intro you've ever done on the podcast. <laughs> thanks, mate. I really thanks. enjoyed that. I wasn't expecting that coming. So. <laughs> Do you know what? I made it up on the spot, no lie. So, yeah, uh, yeah feeling good. Well done. That was really good. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we are going to go through each of the groups in uh, in turn. So, Group A down to Group H. We're going to take a look at uh, all the talking points from each group, really. We're going to give you the group winners, who we think is going to come second, any teams we think are going to do particularly well, uh, dark horses from each group, if there are any, uh, who we think may do particularly poorly. And uh, then after all that is wrapped up, we'll go through... Ultimately, who we think is going to win the tournament, who we think is going to be top goal scorer, uh, as long as a few shouts probably for top goal scorers, you know, your favourite top goal scorers, dark horses for top goal scorer, that kind of thing as well. So plenty to sink our teeth into. Shall we go straight in with Group A? Um, For everything we read out in terms of prices, it will be taken from matchbook.com. Like I said before, check out matchbook.com, use the sign-up code, Take advantage of that and uh, all the markets they've got on offer for the World Cup. So, yeah, Group A featuring the host Qatar. We've got Qatar, Senegal, Netherlands and Ecuador. How do you see this group panning out? Do you know what? I think it might actually a bit 
might be a bit tighter than people think, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think Qatar are going to be the biggest pushover. I don't think they'll be in like a Saudi Arabia category, for example. Um, I think Ecuador will be really awkward. Senegal really depends on Mane, uh, but I think they could be quite dangerous. And I think the Netherlands uh, are going to be really good this tournament. So I'm actually quite excited. Um, why don't you tell me, Tom, about uh, one of the one of the nations and what you like about them and what you don't like about them? Yeah, let's talk about the host, shall we? Qatar. Um, they won the Asia Cup 2019. They beat South Korea, Japan, etc., to win that tournament. They've had a long build-up. Um, they've been playing for, I think, almost kind of seven, eight months now in terms of playing in Euro- European qualifying groups, various friendlies against clubs and countries. Um, so they've played 13 games so far this year, which is probably more than the vast majority of, uh, of sides in this tournament. Every game they'll, they play, I think, will be very tight. They've not scored more than two goals in any of the games that they've played this year. And they've only conceded more than two once. They've only won by a margin of more than one goal once as well. So that kind of backs it all up. Their, their games are very, very tight. It seems to me the ones to watch out for are Akram Afif and Almoez Aziz. Almoez Ali, but he top scored at the Asia Cup and the Gold Cup. Um, so, so yeah, really excited to see what he's got. I reckon they, I reckon they could get. A couple of goals here and I could see them scoring against Senegal and Ecuador, I think. Hmm. Look, yeah, this is where I think I disagree with um, you. I know you've put in the betting card that you think they'll they'll lose all three group games. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll lose against Ecuador. I know we're not talking about really individual matches here, but for the opening game, I think it'll be a kind of drab one or something like that. I think mm. I do think they'll they'll pick up a point from Ecuador. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think they'll ultimately finish probably third or fourth in the group. Cool. I'll pick it up with Ecuador then, shall I? Um, a funky team. Uh, again, Tom, very low margin. I mean, they've conceded more than one just once in 2022. And they've scored more than one just once in 2022. So it's almost the exact same stats as we've got for Qatar. Um, they did have the uh, best South American set-piece record uh, in qualifying, excluding penalties. So that's definitely something to look out for. Obviously, uh, a Premier League midfield duo, uh, both from Brighton, uh, of Casado and Estupinian. So that should be a good foundation to build off. Uh, 11 wins and 8 losses in 29 games uh, under Gustavo Alfaro. Um, I expect them, again, Tom, like you said, low margin, very tough to beat, not many you know, creative moments of quality. Uh, I expect them to, to fail to qualify personally. I think they'll finish uh, third in Group A because I do think they'll be um, Qatar on opening day, even though I do completely agree with you, mate. I think it's going to be really tight and nitty mm. and gritty. But yeah, look for Ecuador to, to largely be on the losing side, but you know, in tight affairs. Yeah, I took two things mainly for my Ecuador research. One, they love a clean sheet. They've had six mm. in a row leading up yeah. to the tournament. And they love a draw. Seven of the 11, seven of 10 games they've played this year have been draws. So, yeah, they're not the most entertaining side to watch, Charlie, but, you know, solid, I'd say. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, let's talk about Senegal then. I know you, you like the look of the Netherlands, so I'll leave them to you. Hmm. Uh, but Senegal, African Cup of Nations champions, raft of players known to fans of the Premier League, you know, like Mane, Edouard Mendy, Koulibaly, Gay, Kuyate, Saar. You know, they, they've got some good quality in this team. Um, I do think a concern for them is that Sadio Mane is apparently going to be missing for at least the first game. That's against the Netherlands. So if they don't get anything in that first game against the Netherlands, hopefully he's back for, for the remaining two and he can uh, help steer them to a couple of wins in those remaining two games. But um, I think Senegal will qualify from the group. They're 2.1 to do so. Uh, I don't think they'll win it. That goes to the Netherlands for me. But um, yeah, I, th- I think this is a side, out of all the African sides I looked at, they're the one that I am most high on. Uh, do I think they'll go deep into the tournament? No, but I do think they'll progress from the group stage um, fairly comfortably. I think. Yeah, the the Mane thing. I I think as long as as long as he's back, you know, for that round of sixteen game that we're projecting, I think they'll be happy with that. I think even without him, they should have enough to beat uh, Ecuador and Qatar, and that Netherlands game can be a write off if you if you get six points then uh, it should be enough to see you through. Uh, Netherlands, Tom. I mean, we just read out Qatar and Ecuador. This is like fire against water, really. I mean, Netherlands, are the complete opposite. Just barnstorming. Uh, mm-hmm. Lost one game in qualifying. The qualifying goal difference was plus 25. No clean sheet in their last 15 games. And the third top goal scorers in UEFA qualifying. 14 teams conceded less than the Netherlands in UEFA qualifying. I mean, they are, they're going to be absolutely full-blooded. And the, and the funny thing is, they've got such great strength in depth at centre-half, which in my mind has been always something they've been missing. I've, I've seen Netherlands roll up with Johnny Heitinger and Ron Vlaar centre-half. And I, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Now they're now it's Van Dijk, De Ligt, De Vrij, like all, all these guys. Like they've got absolutely massive strength and depth. Um, lots of unknown quantities going forward. I think to the larger world, Cody Gakpo, not someone I've watched a ton of, but obviously linked with United heavily. Uh, Arnold Danjuma, Bournemouth fans uh, and Championship fans in particular. And uh, those who watch Villarreal in the Champions League will know he's an absolutely serious talent. But I want to pinpoint Memphis Depay, Tom. Uh, I'm going to kind of leap ahead here into the goalscorer market. So I I do apologise. But Memphis had the most shots in UEFA qualifying, 58, and finished joint top goalscorer in, uh, in UEFA with Harry Kane on 12. So I think it's definitely worth having a look at him for the Golden Boot, I expect the Netherlands to go quite far. And he's priced at 25. So when you consider that Harry Kane is 10.0, Depay's 25, Depay had more shots and they finished level. I think that's maybe because people expect England to go a bit deeper. But I think the Netherlands could be good and that that might be a sneaky uh, good shout for you know a fiver or so. Not, nothing too crazy, but um, a stake for sure. And then, yeah, Tom, we expect Netherlands to win the group, and so does everyone. One point 
5.3 is their price uh, with Matchbook. I expect them to be barnstorming and pretty successful. Yeah, I want to give a quick shout as well to oddalerts.com um, because they have launched today a new World Cup section of the website and yeah, features all kinds of different team stats. Uh, Netherlands top the rankings of all the teams in the World Cup for games to be over 2.5 goals. So yeah. 65% of uh, Netherlands' last 25 <clears throat> games have been over 2.5 goals. So just kind of backs up statistically what you've been saying, really, doesn't it? You know, they're all action, can't keep clean sheets, threatening going forward. Um, yeah, I think they'll be an exciting and entertaining team to watch, that's for sure. Um, and they, yeah, good shout, I think, with Depay. Um, I, I'm intrigued by Gakpo as well, because he seems to be ripping up in in Holland with PSV. Um, so yeah, keen to see if he can bring that to the international stage. Yeah. But yeah. To summarise, Netherlands first, Senegal second, both on the same page with that one. Group B, uh, England, Iran, Wales and USA. Let's talk about England, shall we? How confident are you in the boys? I like our side of the draw. That's that's the first thing I'll say. Um, so, spoiler alert for anyone who's not looked, but Argentina and Brazil, the two favourites on the same side of the draw. Um, so I, I think we've got a more favourable route. There are a ton of question marks as ever, but um, you know, I don't wanna I don't want like that hungry loss. Remember when we lost four nil at Molyneux? Mm. I don't want that to be my mindset. I want to if this was like Spain, right, the entire nation would be looking at Euro twenty twenty finalists, World Cup semi finalists coming into this tournament. And everyone's a bit older and everyone's a bit better. Oh, and they found a world-class central midfielder in Jude Bellingham. I think we'd, we'd be raving. But yeah. I think the pessimism, the pessimism in England is, uh, is back, unfortunately. But I expect us to go, go pretty deep. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like if we can capture a bit more of what we saw when we came from behind from 2-0 down against Germany in the Nations League and turned it around to go 3-2 up, Play with a little bit more freedom and expansion, mm. you know, attacking intent. If we can play a little bit more like that, um, I, I really, I really would like to see it and, and fancy our chances, um, especially in the knockout rounds. And we need to be braver, I think, against better sides um, than we have been in past tournaments. But um, yeah, I, I think we can go far. I agree. We spoke before the pod um, went on air. We've both done our little knockout predictor uh, as to various paths through the tournament. I've got England in the semi-final. Uh, you've got England in the final, I believe, haven't you? Yeah. Spoiler alert, they don't win it in my universe. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I do have them get into the final. And again, it, it's, it's just purely down to how I think the groups are going to go and therefore who plays who. And, you know, they mm -hmm. avoid a lot of the big dogs. And yeah, I think they make the final and, and, and come up short. But Tom, why don't you get on to their group performance? Yeah, so certainly should win the group. Uh, 1.49 to do so. And you think the teams that we're against, USA, Wales, Iran, with all due respect, um, it would be a surprise if England didn't win this particular particular group. I know we've got bad memories in tournaments past against like USA and Wales have taken points off us as well recently. But... Um, yeah, I think with where all three other teams are at right now and the quality within each of them, 
the form that they're on respectively. I, England have got to be winning this group. Um, and I think it'll be a failure otherwise. And they'll set themselves up for a a tougher route through the tournament if if we don't win it. Yeah, yeah, it's crucial. I'm going to talk about the USA, Tom. Um, it's a team I've got my eye on and not in a good way, to be honest with you. Um, I think they're going to really struggle at this World Cup. They're the youngest team to qualify for Qatar, uh, average age-wise. It's a, it's a new era um, in the States, and they really struggled through qualifying. Uh, traditionally, the US and Mexico would absolutely waltz to the World Cup, um, you know, with the CONCACAF qualifying as it is. Uh, this time with the emergence of Canada, they, they really, really struggled. Uh, they seem to lack identity. There's a real issue with attacking uh, players. Obviously, Christian Pulisic is going to jump off the page as rightfully their best player and biggest threat. But it, it's him and, you know, five planks of wood trying to attack, to be honest with you. It, it's, it's pretty poor. Um, however, uh, the manager, uh, Berhala, he's lost just 10 of 56 in charge. So, you know, that's pretty good. Going. That's 46 games, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, where they've avoided defeat. So is, there's definitely something there. There's definitely a foundation. I will caveat that and say that the CONCACAF uh, qualification process, before you get to the best eight, you do have to play the Cayman Islands, St. Lucia, you know, all these places that are absolutely banging for a holiday, but maybe not, maybe not up to standard. Um, I'm having a look at their more recent results. So... The two kind of warm-up games uh, at the time of recording of this pod, um, they lost to Japan 2-0 and drew 0-0 with Saudi Arabia. Their warm-up games, how hard were they going? Did they rotate? All that kind of stuff. It doesn't seem so. Only they know what their mindset was. I've got them to crash out in the group stage and actually finish bottom of Group B. Um, I think it's going to be a baptism of fire for the States. Fair enough. Um, I had them to come second in the group, uh, which which is two point one two for them to qualify. I just I'm really torn because on one hand I agree with what you're saying, and my research kind of pumped out similar things. They've got a, a terrible record outside of the US. Uh, they scored two goals in eight matches, zero wins away from uh, home. So. It's a bad record, but they've got quality in the squad, though, haven't they? Like Rayner, Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Brendan Aronson. Like these are these are good players, just to name a few. Weston yeah, McKinney. Like, so I'm I'm kind of being swayed by the names that I know. To be sure, honest. no, I get I get that. I I I completely get what you're saying. I th- I think I've probably done them a disservice by not mentioning those those midfielders because they are pretty standard, like pretty good midfielders um, yeah. but going forward and at the back and in goal I think there's mm. there's huge question marks so that's on me I should have mentioned that but I would say yeah lots of young talented players limited big international tournament experience but I, I feel like this isn't really the one for the USA is it it's all gearing up for for 2026 when they're joint hosts with Canada and Mexico where they'll, they'll be expecting a a deeper running through a tournament, but yeah, I think progression would probably be uh, 
they'll be happy with that, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, you have um, the US to to go through. So I'm going to talk about who I have sneaking in second, and that's Wales for me. Um, I think the American coach said it the other day. What, I think Wales is essentially like a bad Premier League team, basically. <laughs> Interesting that you put that, because I've got in my notes, if Wales were in the Premier League, they'd get relegated. Yes, they would. But they would be in there. But they'd be in there. Uh, they're 2.38 to qualify with Matchbook. And I, I'm into it, I think. Um, they've got an aging squad. Absolutely. The you know the the new core is is just simply not there. Uh, they're still relying on Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale, Wayne Hennessy, maybe Danny Ward, I suppose. Um, the new generation there's there's capable players, but I wouldn't say of anywhere near the same quality. Uh, so they are still relying on that old guard. For example, Chris Gunter has been called up. Uh, he plays in League Two, I think, for Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of an issue there. Um, but anyway, they lost just once in qualifying, Tom, including the playoffs. Uh, obviously, their form in Cardiff was great. And as we all know, this tournament ain't in Cardiff. Um, they did have the lowest ranked possession uh, from qualifying of any team in the tournament, an average of 48.1% of the ball. Uh, what does that mean? Not a lot, to be honest with you. But what it does mean is from a betting perspective, you know, they watch out for them on the counter-attack, watch out for them from set pieces. They're not necessarily going to dominate the ball. Uh, just don't, you know, fall into that trap of they have more balls, so therefore they're, they're doing better and they're playing better. Wales set up to have less of the ball. Um, they only won more than one game uh, by one goal in qualifying. They do struggle to hit the back of the net. Bale's coming off a, an injury hit end of season with LAFC where he did light up the final, uh, scoring a dramatic equaliser to send it to pens. Um, but, you know, he's he's not the he's not in pristine condition. And then, you know, players like Kiefer Moore are, uh, are not exactly firing um, at Premier League level. Um, I do have them to be finishing above um, the US. I do think they'll be quite low margin. Uh, I've got their team goals for the tournament to be under 3.5 and then for for them to beat the US and um, have a lot of games under 2.5, as I said. So, yeah, Wales for me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, If they got through, it wouldn't entirely surprise me, but I just, I'm sorry, but I just don't really rate them at all. Um, Mm, They might have qualified all right, but they've had an absolutely torrid Nations League campaign. Um, True. And I appreciate so have England, but uh, yeah, Wales played six, drew one, lost five. Um, and that's the over-reliance on Bale still. Um, yeah. Like I say, he's not coming into this tournament in exactly pristine condition. Um, if anything happens to him prior to the tournament, first game of the tournament, you can wave bye-bye to anything. Yeah, um, I think agreed. Uh, and then as for Iran, I didn't really have an awful lot <laughs> to add for them, to be honest. I did note that they've um, they've only played four games in the last seven months. And for me, that doesn't seem like particularly ideal prep for a World Cup. Um, lots of other teams have played a lot more games. You know, we spoke earlier about Qatar. They've played 13 or so games um, this year. 
Um, yeah, so it surprises me that Iran haven't played more games in the run-up to this tournament. Um, every game they have played this year, bar one, has been under 2.5 goals. So with them, I expect very much the same. Lots of unders games, low scoring, one nils, nil nils, maybe two nils. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they'll progress, certainly. Um, they'll probably finish bottom of the group for me, maybe third if they can beat Wales. Most recent managerial hire as well. They went back to Carlos Quiros for the third time. He was hired in September 2022. Uh, one stat, Tom, I want to read out because it's an absolute belter. Uh, they've conceded more than one goal just 12 times in 97 games under Quiros. So, wow. yeah, incredible. Uh, incredibly low margin. Very, very tight and tough to beat. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so for me, uh, England to win the group, mm. USA second. And Tom, for you, England to win the group and Wales second. And USA bottom. USA bottom. Um, right, group C then. So this is Argentina, Mexico, Poland and Saudi Arabia. So I think it'll probably come as no surprise to anybody listening that we think Argentina will certainly get through the group. Um, I... I feel like I don't want to spoil the end of that, the end game. Like who's going to I know, but it's inevitable. I've realised since doing this pod when I read out Memphis. Memphis yeah, was one of my like value world like golden boot picks, and I read it out. So just just tell everyone what you what you want to say. Yeah, so I, I think Argentina are actually mm. going to win the whole thing. That's what I've got written down. Um, they've not lost a match since July 2019, which is 35 game unbeaten run. Uh, the, the current Copper America champions. It seems like they've got a constant revolving door of attacking talent in the country. Everything, I feel, is kind of built up for Messi's last World Cup. They're on a fantastic run. He's in great form now this season for PSG. Um, you know, they're beating Brazil in Brazil. They're going to take so much confidence from that coming into this tournament. Like The wait for a, to win a big international tournament is over for Argentina with that Copper America win. And I think the conditions will suit them. I think they've got a good group. They have a tough run. If things go as we speak, as we expect, they ha they'll have a tough run to the final. They'll certainly have earned the World Cup if they do win it. But um, yeah, I think they've got an awful lot going for them at the moment uh, in attack, in defence. The midfield, if I'm honest, I was unsure on a lot of their midfield options. Um, I don't know a ton about them. They've mostly play, play around Europe so there's a bit of gap a bit of a gap in my knowledge there but um generally I think it's an extremely strong squad as you can see by that 35 match unbeaten run uh, and I think they win the group and go all the way I don't think they'll go all the way but I have them crashing out at the semi-final and I'll leave it there uh <laughs> okay uh Mexico copy and paste with the states kind of um again you know, not to repeat, but used to have just an absolute stranglehold on CONCACAF and would win it nine times out of ten. But this time they finished six goals uh, behind uh, Canada and four goals behind the USA and finished in third position. Um, just lack of new faces again, you know, relying on old names. I mean, there's Ochoa in goal is honestly like a World Cup meme at this point. The, the amount of people that are saying, you know, where the hell is this guy coming from? And 
and um, you know he only kind of turns up for the World Cups and all that kind of stuff. But it's true. It it's, it speaks to a deeper issue that Mexico have got. They've got a Funes Mori up front who is a erratic target man, and then they're relying on Raúl Jiménez still. Like if Jiménez is fit, he's going to play. But he got three goals in qualifying, all penalties. Like he hasn't scored in open play since 2020 and for Mexico. And I just don't see where the goal is going to come from. Hervin Lozano was the big name, one of the big standout at Russia when Mexico looked really dangerous. His career has just kind of petered out a little bit. Uh, I expect him to be eliminated at the group stage and their total team goals to come in under 2.5. Interesting. I've got them to go through. Uh, Here we I've go. Got, I've got them to qualify in second place. Uh, right. Odds for them to do so are 1.91. Um, I just It's that thing with Mexico, the incredible stat. They've been knocked out in the round of 16 in seven consecutive World Cups. Like, I know, I know. What kind of mad curse is that? <laughs> I know, I know. But you got to re-educate yourself now. Like this, this is a well. Just my opinion, anyway. They're a, they're a bad team now. Yeah, no, I get I get that, but I don't think you know they're not in the. Apart from Argentina, who are going to win the group, Saudi Arabia, I I, I would say going to lose the group. Yes, it's just a toss up between Mexico and Poland for me. Yeah. Um, so that first game, Mexico against Poland, in my opinion, the if there is a winner that will determine who finishes second in this particular group for me. Um, yeah, and it, it's as straightforward as that, I think, because um, I expect them both to, to lose to Argentina and to both beat Saudi Arabia. So we'll see how that one goes. But um, I take it you've got Poland to qualify then, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've got Poland. Um, 100%, mate. It's a straight shootout between the two, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um yeah, Argentina, Poland is my group forecast. Tom, they're the third top European goal scorers in qualifying. Poland, 30 non-penalty goals in 11 games. It's 2.72 goals per game. The manager, now hang on, I just need to read this. Mishenovic, Mishenovic, I don't know, whatever. Um, he, he, he's only been in charge since January. His record is is very 50-50. He's had eight games, time of recording, three wins, two draws, three losses. So, you know, not the best, I would say, and also not the worst. Uh, Lewandowski, Tom, you know, third most goals by a European player at international level behind just Puskas and Cristiano Ronaldo. They're very attack-minded. Goals are likely. Centre-half is a bit of a worry, um, as is, you know, kind of the supply up to Lewandowski but you know I'm looking at who I fancy to score more goals out of Mexico and Poland and stacking Jimenez up against Lewandowski and I know it's not as simple as that but you know I'm going to back uh, back Poland all day I think to to um, to qualify from the group and they are sorry I should have had this right on hand they're 1.97 to do so you can see, can't you, with the odds between them to qualify, Mexico to qualify, there's only a, a few little points in it. So, um, yeah, most of the punters pretty split, like me and you are on who's going to go through. Um, in terms of talking about Saudi, I 
again, I don't have a, a, a ton of notes on Saudi Arabia. I think they'll be they'll probably lose every game, unfortunately, um, for them. Um, yeah, I don't think if they get on if they score a couple of goals, they'll, that's probably a result, in my opinion. Um, it is. I mean, they top the qualification group ahead of Australia and Japan, which is crazy. But every time they get to the World Cup, they they're just the whipping boys, and yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to... Uh... I'm sure they'll be well supported, you know, with Saudi yeah. being on Charles' doorstep. They'll probably have a lot of fans there. 100% um, they will, 100% they will. But yeah, um, no hopers, unfortunately. Uh, into Group D then. Uh, so this group contains Denmark, France, Tunisia and Australia. I I, I was going to say I've kind of predicted a, a slight upset here, but... Is it an upset, really? I'm not sure. I've got Denmark to win the group ahead of France. Agreed. Uh, the, the price being 3.6 on Matchbook. So, you know, there's some decent value in that if we think that's going to actually happen. And I'll tell you why I've got it. And you can add anything you want onto that and tell me if you agree or not. But firstly, I feel like they've been consistently improving, really, over the last couple of years. Um, they got to the semifinals of Euro 2020. They've won nine out of 10 in qualifying for the tournament, keeping eight clean sheets. In the most recent Nations League campaign, which was this summer, they beat France home and away. So they're going to have no fear of facing France again. They've beat them twice already over the summer. Um, so for those reasons, they've got a lot of... They don't have many, if any, may, maybe Ericsson, if you'd say he's world-class, but... They don't have many outstanding players, but I feel like they've got a lot of very good players um, and they work very well as a team, work very hard. I think, yeah, they'll top the group. Well, that's it, right? It's a team sport. And let's I also agree with you, by the way, I have Denmark winning the group. Let's flip to France. Now, the only team that... On, well... Argentina, Brazil, France are the top three, and I think they're the top three for a reason. I would be absolutely shocked if anybody other than those three won it, personally. But the only team that can beat France other than those two are themselves. They're notorious, absolutely notorious for just self-inflicting collapse. Off-the-field issues are absolutely ridden with France in World Cup histories. Even right now, there is stuff going on. Very recently, image rights arguments, players threatening to not play. Pogba, the whole Pogba thing is absolutely insane. Mm. You know, the witch doctor on Mbappe. Like, is Mbappe not going to be able to run at the World Cup? I, like, I don't know what, what's going on there. But there is so much stuff. There's been a huge issue in French football with violence and people being unhappy in the country and societal issues. And I know this isn't on the pitch and some, probably some people are listening or watching right now thinking like this guy's talking absolute rubbish. They've got Kylian Mbappe and they do. They have like some of the best players in the world, but they're just notorious for collapsing. If they're on it, they, they're going to go seriously deep, seriously deep. If they are not on it and they let the dramatics kind of take over, they're in big trouble. Big, big yeah. trouble. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read out my stats. Some are pro-France and some are anti-France. Uh, they conceded the second least amount of shots in qualifying. 
Um, they uh, had the second best defensive record in qualifying. They failed to win in five of their six, five of their last six matches at the time of recording, and four of the last five World Cup winners had gone out in the group stage in the following tournament. One of them being France. Mm. That's a pretty mad stat, isn't it? It's crazy. Oh, the last five winners have gone out in the group stage. Well, if you Absolutely think they're going to out, you can definitely, I'm sure, get a good price on that one uh, for France to go out in the group stage again here. Mm. Um, I can't see it happening with Australia and Tunisia as the uh, the two teams are up against other yeah, than them. I agree. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It, it? They seem like, often from an outside point looking in, just a bunch of individuals, a lot of very, very good individuals um, a lot of the time. I'll just touch on Tunisia. Um, I, yeah, as we spoke about, we think France and Denmark will go through, so I don't want to dwell on this one for too long. Um, I think they'll probably be involved in fairly low-scoring games, um, very defensive-minded side, conceding two in eight games and qualifying. Uh, but we're also the second lowest scores in qualifying with just 12 goals. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think they'll get very far. I don't think they'll upset the apple cart whatsoever. Um, and I know you've put Tom in the uh, in the betting guide that their managers admitted he'll be sacked if he doesn't <laughs> qualify from the group. Um, yeah. Uh, for his contract with the Tunisian FA. So that's a bit harsh. Well, I will add on. I'll give Tunisia a, a tiny shimmer of hope, and that's I think they'll beat Australia because one of my takes for this World Cup is I think Australia will be one of the worst performing teams um, at the World Cup. I actually have them to be the lowest scorers of the World Cup. Uh, I think they'll finish with zero points. I think they'll finish bottom of Group D. When you think of Australia in the past, and it, it's always I'm, I'm always talking about every single week, Tom, re-educating and not trying to paint the same nation with the same brush and trying to and mm. also club football as well right I always use Millwall as an example I never thought Millwall would come up in the World Cup pod but they have and um, yeah you know they're, they're changing and we always think of teams to be in, in one way and when we think of Australia we think of like a Premier League core Mark Schwartz, uh, Brett Emerton, uh, Lucas Neal um, Mark Viduka, Tim Cahill, Harry Q. That's gone. That's gone. Australia are not producing players at all. They are not producing players. They struggled a little bit in qualifying as well. Um, although 16 or 20 of their games were played outside Australia due to COVID protocols, the country had very strict rules for a long, long time. They did really struggle. And I, I think they're going to struggle again. They're very, very goal shy. Their strikers are kind of, I mean, you've got, um, you got Leckie, who's at Melbourne City, um, struggling. You've got Jamie McLaren, who's great in the A-League at Melbourne City as well, not producing. Uh, fans of uh, Hibernian, Nottingham Forest, etc., will have heard of Jason Cummings. Uh, he's qualified for his Australian mother. I think he's out in the A-League struggling. Like, they have a lot of domestic players that just are not doing it. Um, mm. Their second top goal scorer was Harry Souter of Stoke City, actually. So if you're looking for a centre-half to bet on at the World Cup, 
might be worth a shot. He's six foot seven and he scored six goals in qualifying. He was the second top scorer. So worth having a look at Suter if you fancy, you know, the long shout centre half bets. But I'll be honest with you, I think Australia are going to be absolutely wildly out of their depth. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't surprise many, I don't think, there. <clears throat> Moving on to Group E then. So we've got Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan battling it out here. Uh, obviously, the the two standouts are Spain and Germany, aren't they here? Um, I think for most, it'd be an upset if both of those didn't make it through. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I did look into Japan and look into Costa Rica. You know, J- Japan are bad. Um, they beat Australia, USA, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, Ghana, all this year. So that's five teams I've named in this World Cup. Uh, they beat all of them this year. So they're not coming into this in in bad form. But, you know, that that's they're not exactly, with all due respect, the creme de la creme of world football that we're talking about there. Um I'd certainly think when they come up against the better sides, the Spains, the Germanys, as they're going to in the group, they will struggle. Um, and I think they'll be playing for third place here uh, in their game against Costa Rica. Um, yeah. Who you got top in the group then? Spain or Germany? And then whichever one you've got, take it away and, and tell us why. Uh, so I've got Spain top in the group. Which is interesting because I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my predictors here. I've got Spain top in the group, but I've not. I've got Germany going further in the actual tournament. Ah, oh, that can happen. Can yeah. Happen. So, so yeah, I, I think Spain will do pretty well. Um, I like this side. I certainly like their midfield. You know, they've got the Pedri, Gavi, Busquets, or Rodri going off in the centre mid. You know how Spain are going to play. They're going to control the possession. 70, 75, 80% possession in most of their games. But the thing that concerns me with Spain and why I don't think they'll go too far in the tournament, I think maybe quarterfinals max, is that they lack real goal threats. Um, still not convinced by Morata, um, not convinced by Ferran Torres. He can't really get much of a looking at Barcelona at the moment. Dani Olmo, I believe, is just coming back from injury. Um yeah, there's no one for Spain who I would say is really prolific, really reliable goal scorers. Uh, and we've seen in qualifying, um, in recent tournaments, they can have all the possession they like, play all the fancy football they like, but they do struggle to put the ball in the back of the net at times. Um, but saying that, I do think they're good enough to get through this group as winners. I think they'll do all right. Yeah, I have Spain winning it. Um, And honestly, the reason I have them over Germany is defensively. I think Spain will be a lot more solid. They'll, as you said, Tom, they'll control the ball, have a lot more of the ball. You know, if you're playing against Spain and you are Japan, you're going to have very limited opportunities to hurt them. And Germany, I think Germany in 2026 might be really, really good. Um, But right now, they they seem to me like really, really raw and young. Um, They did win nine of ten qualifiers, so credit to them. But the stat that I'm looking at here and just kind of, I've tried, don't get me wrong, I haven't watched all Germany games, but there are YouTube channels where you can go out there 
and people have done what we're doing, not from a betting perspective, but with video. So you can have a look at some of the uh, some of the goals they score and concede. You know, twelve goals conceded in Hansi Flick's fifteen games. That's a concern, right? Only three clean sheets there. Uh, lack of strength in depth at crucial points. They've got one absolutely outstanding defensive-minded player. I don't even know if he's a real defender and where he'll play in Joshua Kimmich. And then the rest at the back, particularly fullbacks, are abject probably for, for Germany's level. Good players, don't get me wrong, but we're talking about Germany here who I don't know what if they won it maybe four times, something like that. Uh, not up to standard. And then as central strikers, I think Kai Havertz will play as a central striker, Premier League fans and, well, just fans you know, of English football in general will know that I don't think he looks 100% at home when he plays as a nine. Uh, I don't even know what his best position is, to be honest with you. They've won one of their last seven games in all comps. Yeah, 2026, look out for Germany, but I, I think it might, they'll, they'll qualify because I think Japan and Costa Rica aren't that great, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't expect them to do too much of this World Cup. Okay, yeah. Well, I've got them going all the way, all the way to the semi-finals. Mm. Um, okay. They've got a fairly tough run to the semi-finals, looking at my predictor now. It, it, if they didn't make it, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I can't wait gonna... to watch Musiala, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely oh, yeah. gutted he didn't pick England. He looks frightening. So yeah. excited to watch him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um Let's um, go through Costa Rica, shall we, briefly, just to round off Group E. So, yeah, they were the last team to qualify for Qatar. Um, coming into the te- coming into the tournament in fairly strong form, they won six of the last seven games in their qualifying. Uh, but they will be a very kind of cagey team, defensive first, haven't scored more than two in a game uh, under their current manager since July 2021. So that tells you they don't score many. Um, they don't often concede too many with the way they set set up and play, uh, but Kaylen Navas is their kind of most well known player, their best player arguably. He hasn't played a single minute for PSG this season, so um, he probably is coming into this tournament fairly rusty, which is not ideal. But he'll be a busy boy uh, with Spain and Germany in this group with Costa Rica, I imagine. Yeah, and then just to finish on Japan, just quickly. Low margin, again, I feel like a lot of these teams that are struggling to have a low margin, and I think that's just how, they, how they're how they successful, right? If you don't have the tools to go out and attack, then you got to be tough to beat, and it, it gets you to a certain point, average of 1.6 total goals per game for Japan in uh, qualifying. That's going forward and at the back, 1.5, 1.6 total goals. Two of their 12 goals they scored in qualifying, came from recognised strikers. Lack of uh, star quality this time round, apart from maybe Minamino. But, you know, the days of Kagawa, Honda, Nakamura, they're gone. And they didn't call up half of the players who are absolutely flying for Celtic at the moment. Um, absolutely crazy um, mm. team selection from a European person like myself, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Group F, then. So we've got Belgium, Canada, Morocco and Croatia uh, to contend this group. Take it away with Canada, Tom. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on Canada, how they're going to do. You know, we can, anyone watching on video, um, 
you can see Tom in a Canada shirt. Anyone listening, Tom is in a Canada shirt. Mm. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on the Canadians? Do you think they'll have a good tournament? Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's it's um, re-educating, right? They're the new kings of CONCACAF. So CONCACAF is Costa Rica, Mexico, Honduras, USA, Jamaica, like all those teams. Like Canada won the entire qualification process, qualifying for their first World Cup since 86. They only lost two games doing it, and both of those losses were after they qualified. So they qualified with three games to go, and they lost two of those last three because basically nobody cared anymore. Um, They are the fastest improving nation in the world. So not just the World Cup, the world. They've gone from 94th to 41st in four years under English manager John Herdman. Uh, They had the best attack and defence in qualifying. They've got some real star quality. So Afonso Davis is the one that that leaps off the page. But Jonathan David consistently at the top of the goal-scoring charts in League 1 for Lille. Don't know how he's still there, to be honest with you. Stefan Eustachio for Porto in central midfield. Arguably one of their best players again. Um, he is he is on fire for Porto at the moment and scored, I think, maybe five in his last seven from centre mid. Um, you just have a lot of players who are playing in Europe, and I know that's like that doesn't sound like a lot, but for Canada that's that's a huge deal, a huge deal. Tejon Buchanan, Cal Larin out at Bruges in Belgium playing Champions League football and part of that incredible. Uh, Champions League performing team. I just I expect them to shock. I honestly do. I've I've obviously got links to Canada, of course. I'm not going to shy away from that. And maybe I'm coming off as biased, and I'm tipping either Belgium or Croatia to have a little bit of a wobble. But I I think they're going to qualify. Um, defensively, that's where we get a bit nerve wracking. It's a lot of MLS players. It's a there's a guy called St- Stephen Victoria who plays for a team that struggles in the Portuguese top league. But what they are is they're a great unit and they've got a lot of ways to hurt teams. They're 4.1 to uh, qualify from the group. Not win it, qualify. 4.1. I think they could be one of the biggest surprises of the entire tournament. Love it. Well, there we go. Yeah. Hopefully they do well. Yeah, I'd like to see Canada do well. Um, But that begs the question, who's going to falter? Belgium or Croatia. Let's touch on Belgium. Um, I had them to win the group, uh, which is probably no surprise that I picked the favourites there to win that particular group. They're 1.83 to do so, um, which I didn't think was too bad, uh, really, for Belgium. I thought they might be a little bit shorter than that. But uh, yeah, you know, they've got a squad that is ageing, but still packed with plenty of quality. You know, a lot's been spoken about this being the Belgian golden generation and they probably missed their big opportunity at the last World Cup. Um, You know, a lot of the players now are starting to get on, but they've still got a world-class goalkeeper in Courtois. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, of course, making things tick in midfield. Lukaku, if he's fit, has always done well for Belgium. Um... I just feel like with this Belgium side, they will win the group for me. I don't think they'll progress too far in the tournament. I think I've got them last 16 going out. I feel like I've looked at 
almost this exact same squad for the last like two, three, four tournaments. Um, you know, your Courtois, Mignolets, Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Mounier, Castagna, De Bruyne, uh, Carrasco, Hazard, Dries Mertens, Lukaku, Batshuayi. I feel like these teams have been main, these players have been mainstays of this team for a long, long time now. And this is kind of uh, the band's last hurrah, isn't it, for Belgium for me? Um, and I think they'll win the group. They're capable of scoring plenty of goals. So they'll, they'll play an exciting brand of football, I'm sure, attacking brand of football. But I don't think it would take them too far. Yep, I agree. Which, obviously, people have worked out by now that I have Croatia um, going out in the group stage. I mean, I'm tipping a team who lost just once in qualifying to, to not make it, um, conceding just four goals in 10 games. But it's the, la- it's the lack of goals for me, Tom. Um, mm. They're putting a lot of eggs in Levaja, who most people, well, not most people, a lot of people will know uh, from his uh, Zagreb exploits in the Champions League. He's the, the Croatian striker who's 32, who just keeps scoring in the Champions League. Uh, he obviously plays domestically. I think the Croatian league is an okay standard. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really... Kramaric, I don't rate at all. Rebic hasn't been even been called up. Um, they're relying on Modric and Perisic again. They were actually the top scorers in qualifying with just three goals each. The midfield is absolutely off the scale, right? Brozovic at the base, he doesn't get the credit he deserves from anyone. Modric, I mean, I don't need to talk about Modric. And Kovacic, who is technically absolutely outstanding. I just worry about the goals, to be honest with you, mate. Um, I look at Canada and I think there's a hell of a lot more goal threats uh, from them as there are Croatia. I think Canada can get at them with their pace and with their younger, vibrant team. And and Croatia look weak to me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Morocco then, just to round it up, I think Morocco personally will finish bottom of the group. Um, they have qualified pretty well, winning seven of eight games. Uh, and they've got some decent players, well, a couple of well-known decent players like Hakimi, uh, fullback, and Ziyech, who um, obviously is at Chelsea. Um, other than that, I, I don't think they'll trouble, you know, the, the bigger European sides like the, your Belgiums, your Croatias, or Canada with their attacking ability. Yeah, I think Morocco will probably struggle this tournament. And uh, they'll be finishing bottom of the group for me. Yeah, agreed. Into Group G then. So we've got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon uh, making up Group G. So Brazil to win the group for me. Uh, same for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to expand upon Brazil? Because I know... You've touched on that you've got Brazil to go pretty far in this tournament. The the furthest um, <laughs> of the 32. Yeah, Brazil are my tip. Uh, obviously, the Brazil-Argentina debate is one that's probably happening on every podcast and every article and every pub that people are chatting about, you know, who's going to win the World Cup. For me, it's just the front three for me, uh, for Brazil, just... I know there's Messi, and when there's Messi, it's so hard 
to look elsewhere. Um, but I think the ace in the pack for Brazil going forward is Vinny Jr. I don't mm. think when every time I watch this guy, every time I watch him, he's better and better and better. And, and I think maybe because we only see him in the Champions League and we don't watch him in La Liga. Like, this guy is world, world, world class. There were a few years ago, I wasn't that hot on him, to be honest with you. Um, but he's he's serious. And then you got Neymar on the other side. And I think Richarlison is going to play as the nine, which doesn't leap off the page as, you know, a, a Ronaldo, uh, R9 Ronaldo, I'm talking, right? Which is what we're used to. But he's led the line as good as anybody. Him and Gabby Jesus are great options down the middle. Martinelli coming off the bench. And I just think, apart from left back, I think Brazil are stronger overall than Argentina. Argentina have had the better of Brazil recently, for sure. And that does worry me as a Brazil backer. Um, but just kind of going through their their uh, stats and facts, really. Uh, Tite is going to resign, Tom, win or lose, after the World Cup, the the manager, so I'm assuming you know he's going to want to go out on a high. Um, they won 14 to 17 in qualifying and went unbeaten. Um, the one little blemish for me, apart from their lack of uh, strength at left back, they haven't played a European team for three years. Anybody, it was the Czech Republic back in 2019. That's mainly to do with COVID and it's mainly to do with the tournaments like uh, the Copper America and all that kind of stuff that's just come up. And then maybe just Brazil not scheduling friendlies against European opposition, which might be um, a bit of an own goal, to be honest with you, preparation-wise. But yeah, for me, uh, Brazil win it, uh, Group G and the tournament. Oh man, just looking at the Brazil squad list. It's the sickening. Forward. It's sickening. The forwards are a joke. <laughs> Read them out. Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, Vinny Jr., Anthony, Richarlison, Rafinha, Rodrigo, that's Real Madrid, Rodrigo, Martinelli, and a chap called Pedro. I don't know who Pedro is, but I, I don't Pedro think he's going to... He's not going to get on the pitch, is he? No, it surely ain't, but he's going for a good time. <laughs> possible winner's medal. Good for him. Um, that is, it's a frightening array of attacking talent, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that they've got to pick from there. Um, but yeah, for me, it's the defence which worries me for Brazil. Like I say, uh, the left back still having players like Dani Alves, Thiago Silva in the squad. I know Silva's playing pretty well for Chelsea, but the guy's what, 37, 38 now? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. that That's their weak point for me. Um, but if they won the World Cup, it wouldn't surprise me. I think bit. Argentina have a better base. But so mm. so basically my reasoning and honestly, they're so they have they have like the same amount of defensive midfielders, the same amount of attacking midfielders. I, I just think Brazil have a way, 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 way better goalkeeper um in yeah. Allison over Emmy Martinez. And then the front three, right? Messi is a cheat code, best player to ever touch a football, right? And I don't know if you saw his goal today against the UAE, just just taking the piss. Di Maria started. I don't know if he will or not. I think I've, I think Lissandro will start. But let's say they go with this front three. Di Maria, 
He's barely kicked a ball for Juve and has basically used Juve as a training facility when he's not injured. And then Julian Alvarez, who I'm still learning about. And I'm stacking that up against Vinny, Neymar and Richarlison. And, and I'm going for the uh, Brazilians every time. Basically, yeah. Surely Latoro Martinez will play for Yeah, I, I think so, but he didn't start, Tom, against the UAE. So I don't oh, know. Really? Yeah, Alvarez started. So I don't know what the situation is there. Maybe he's got a knock. I don't know. I'm not, you know. Well, that might put a little torpedo into one of my uh, World Cup top oh, scorer. Oh, bet. oh okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on, Tom, who's, uh, who's finishing second in uh, Group G? Uh, I have uh, Serbia to finish as the runner-up in Group G. Let me just pull up the price for for that one. Uh, So Serbia, they're 2.18 to qualify. And just for context, Switzerland are 2.12. So it's very, very tight in the odds between Serbia and Switzerland. Uh, But I went for Serbia. Um, They had a fantastic qualifier for the tournament, beating Portugal into uh, first place in the group couple of very informed strikers, particularly Mitrovic and, and Blahovic over in, in uh, Italy with Juventus. Overall, a, d- a decent side of Serbia, particularly going forward, like I just mentioned. Um, Milinkovic, Savic still knocking around. Luka Jovic, uh, Zivkovic, Dusan Tadic. Um, they've got a lot of good attacking players to pick from. Uh, I think they will get through the group. I think it'll be tight. Um, and again, this is one of those groups similar to what we spoke about with Poland and Mexico, that it's almost like a one game shootout for me. Whoever wins that Serbia Switzerland game, uh, if there is a winner, is it going to be the team that qualifies uh, from this group along with Brazil? Yep. Tom, uh, Serbia are the official trademark Tom Walker Dark Horses. For the World Cup. Ooh, here we go. They're the cursed ones this year, then, are they? <laughs> for, the, for those for those who are recent uh, recent listeners in Euro twenty twenty, I re I researched and I really 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 liked Turkey, and <laughs> they obviously absolutely crashed out of it. With they didn't even threaten. I think Serbia are, are better than Turkey, and I'm obviously going to say yeah. that now. Um, but yeah, I, I think. You know, Turkey's biggest issue was was goal threats and well, let's be defending as well. But going into it, I thought they'd be solid at the back and and struggled to score. But Serbia, I think they're just so well rounded. And you just read out those attacking talents. Um, you know that that's as good as a lot of teams. I think personally they'll reach stage of elimination, quarter final, maybe even semi final for me. Oh, maybe the semis. Crikey. Crikey. And obviously that leaves Switzerland in third. I just, just don't see enough, Tom. Honestly, I just don't see enough. Um, You know, they, they struggle for goals. Mbola was their top scorer in qualifying with three. They're capable of an upset, right? You rightfully point out in the in the betting book here, they knocked out France in Euro 2020 and Spain and Portugal in the Nations League. I feel like Switzerland are just one of those teams that every single player is a 6 out of 10. And they're an absolutely brilliant team. They're kind of like Denmark, diet Denmark, I'd say. <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's 
Yeah. yeah. Like, that's how I feel about it. Maybe it's because they're playing Reds, so they're European. But, like, they're a really good team. They don't have that many, like, key, key, key players. But they do always perform. I, I just think they're going to come up short against Serbia's firepower. Yeah. I feel like if we've got any Swiss listeners to the pod, they'll be horrified that we've called them a diet Denmark. But <laughs> I don't think it's... I completely get what you mean uh, yeah. without being yeah, disrespectful to them. But, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> it's goals, isn't it, really, for me, for Switzerland. I think they'll struggle for goals big time. Mm, yeah. Um, then that leaves Cameroon. Um, they're not coming into the tournament with the strongest form, having won only one of their last five international matches. Um, I've got them to finish bottom. Yeah. Just a broad, touch on a broader point, I feel like the um, the African nations, Senegal aside, aren't really too strong um, for this edition of the tournament, personally. Um, it's really sad. Cameron, how, sorry? It's really sad as well. I want them to be good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, they have bolstered their squad with a couple of new dual national players. Um, so they've now got Umbuemo from Brentford and uh, the ex-Spurs player in Kudu uh, joining their ranks. They want to play off against Algeria to qualify. So that's a good win for them because Algeria have been pretty uh, strong in terms of the AFCON size in recent years. Uh, and they'll be relying on Chupa Moting for most of their goals, really. Um which I think is a worrying worrying statement in itself. He's on fire for Bayern, but like it's one of those things where it's surely going to end soon. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, for me Cameroon pr- probably will lose all of their group games um against the other three sides we spoke about. I agree. Moving into uh the final group then that we've got to cover it's group H, so Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. Um, I have got Uruguay to finish top of this group. Agreed. Uh, price for them to do so is 2.98. So just under two to one. So pretty good price. Portugal for context, they're, they're 1.81 to win the group. Um, not too much of a slight on Portugal. Let's just go through my notes on Portugal. Um, they kind of strolled their way to the tournament. They finished behind Serbia in the qualifying group, which we touched on. Then they beat Turkey and North Macedonia in the playoffs to get to the tournament. Um, part of me is concerned about the whole Cristiano Ronaldo thing. It's all kicking off at the moment in the media. He keeps bringing out a new statement every day, it seems like. Um, the Piers Morgan interview, how disruptive is that going to be um, if he's bringing that into the camp they've got a lot of talented individual players uh, like you know Cancelos, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz, Bruno Fernandes uh, but they have only won three of their last 13 World Cup matches and they Oof. historically have tended to struggle in group phases not just at the World Cup but in Euro tournaments as well um, so I could see it again lots of talented individual players but oftentimes for Portugal, they seem to just struggle in tournaments. So I remember when they won the Euros, they, I think they drew the majority of the games, didn't they? In, yeah, I in think terms they, won, of, they won one in, in a normal time, I think. Yeah, they, they hmm. just kind of struggle their way through, which I think they'll do again 
uh, in this particular tournament uh, before they go out in the knockout rounds. I have a uh, couple of Portuguese friends who, you know, you show them the squad list and you go like, how can you not like feel like you're going to win the whole thing? Right, their their team and their their strength in depth is is absolutely glorious, and it, it always comes back to two words, and it's not Cristiano Ronaldo actually, it's <laughs> Nando Santos. So they've still got the same manager who led them to Euro 2016 glory, and I'm led to believe that that's more of like a lasting legacy hire rather than them being good. Um, it's obviously just fans, but you know, their opinions. But then again, we're just fans as well, Tom. Um, they say that, you know, tactically, very inept. Squad selection, always inept. You know, substitutions, poor. Like, that. There, there seems to be this feeling that they've got this really good team and it's not being, you know, handled the best. It's not being coached. So that's, for me, the Ronaldo stuff is, is a new thing. Um that kind of makes me uh, worry about them. Uh, I still think they'll they'll qualify, but yeah, um, it's the Santos thing that makes me really nervous. And yeah, Tom, Uruguay, uh, as you said in the betting book here, a mixture of last chances like Suarez and Cavani and then upcoming stars. I mean, you know, the Darwin Nunes, Valverde, Bentancur, um group there is is absolutely as exciting of a trio as you can get really you've got a holding midfielder in Bentancur who's playing really well for Tottenham the third best team in the Premier League at the moment Valverde who is arguably the most informed midfielder in the world uh, you know fight me on that and then Darwin Nunes who everyone seems to think is this like massive flop but I think he's been sensational since like his first two games where he looked a bit unsure. Like he is as raw as it gets, but he's so exciting and so dangerous. Uh, strong 2022 record, won seven, drew one, lost one. You know, Suarez was the top scorer in qualifying, eight goals, and five of which were penalties, but Nunes is the one for me. And you know what? I've always been a massive, massive, massive fan of Jimenez at the back. And he's having a torrid, torrid season for Atleti, but I really believe in him and I, I, I really have always liked him. I think he gives them a really good rear guard as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's move on to South Korea. So, obviously, we've, we predicted Uruguay and Portugal to progress from this group. So, South Korea, I think, will probably finish third. Um, they'll be fighting out with Ghana to not finish bottom. South Korea comfortably qualified uh, for the tournament. They only conceded three goals in their 10 matches, but they are heavily reliant on uh, Son Heung-min. He currently isn't 100% fit. He's got a fractured eye socket. So any kind of um, injury to to Son, if he's not 100%, that's massively going to impact South Korea. Um, The manager's got a decent win rate. So, Paolo Bento, 63.5% win rate since taking over in 2018. However, uh, a very bad stat. So, outside of South Korea, their last win against an opponent ranked inside the uh, FIFA top 50 was against Japan in 2017. So, that's five years since their last win away from home against a top 50 ranked opponent, um, which is... Pretty poor going for me. And if you've got carrying those kind of poor away form baggage with you into the tournament, 
and you're over-reliant on one injured player, it's not going to turn out too well for me. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree, mate. Uh, that obviously leaves Ghana finishing last, unfortunately, for them. Uh, they won just one of their last nine games across all competitions in the lead-up to the tournament. They're actually the lowest-ranked team at the World Cup as well. Um, you know, FIFA rankings, by and large, aren't the be-all and end-all, but, uh, you know, I feel like they do kind of tell a story to a certain extent. Uh, they have recently bolstered the squad. Inaki Williams is obviously a huge get for them, a really dangerous um, player for Bill Bow. And his brother, actually, uh, is going to be playing for Spain, which is which is interesting. Um, yeah. Thomas Partey is the main man and, and Ghana's biggest star, but way too many issues. Goalkeeper, defence, wing. is it, Unfortunately, it's riddled with issues. Uh, and they might, I think they might get the odd goal. I think they might be okay going forward. But, you know, going backwards, I think it, it might be all at sea, to be honest with you. Yeah. The Williams, like the uh, the Boatengs mm. V2. Remember that? Yeah. Crazy, man. It? Kevin Prince and, uh, and Jerome, right? Jerome, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, that's all the groups looked through. Once again, we'll reiterate uh, the outrights. So for me, Argentina uh, to win the tournament, like we've kind of touched on in the pod, um, it just comes down to the semi-final. If everything goes as we think it will, the semi-final will be Argentina against Brazil. And for me, whoever wins that game, wins the tournament. What a game that's going to be. Um, yeah, and I've just landed on the side of Argentina. They're 7.0 to win the tournament. If it does happen to be Brazil, they're 4.9 to win the tournament. Um, the Golden Boot, so we've touched on a couple. So you touched on Memphis, Tom. Yeah. Um, I like the look of Messi. I think, like I say, Argentina are going to win the tournament. Messi is surely banging form. He's going to be in amongst the goals, undoubtedly. He's 12.5 for the Golden Boot. He's third favourite. Uh, and then, yeah, I was looking at Latore Martinez, 24.0, but maybe not if he's not Whoa. started the final warm-up game. <laughs> so <laughs> Research required. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, Memphis, as I, as I read out, that was, I think the Netherlands will be dangerous. They'll be absolutely barnstorming. And uh, as I said, most shots in, in qualifying and, and level with Harry Kane, who, you know, is at 10s. Memphis is at 25. So he's like my like stats pick, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I've got some money on Vinny Jr. I, I mean, obviously, I, I probably sound like I'm his agent at the moment. But yeah, Vinny Jr. for me, priced out of 40, is massive. Absolutely massive. Bearing in mind, I think Brazil are going to win, which means I think they're going to play seven games, which obviously helps. And I think um, he's severely underrated by the market for... Uh, obviously, Neymar's got that absolutely ludicrous Brazil record. Neymar's at 14.5. For Vinny to be 40, I feel like that's such a massive jump. Vinny's like my value bet, if that yeah. makes sense. Like I feel like that price is way, way, way too big uh, for a player of, of his calibre. So, yeah, that, that they're the two I've gone for, um, is uh, Vinny Jr. at 40 and Memphis at 25. 
Yeah, I like it. Um, I, I do like Kane. I, I think Kane's got a good shout. He's tens though. He's the favourite, and I just don't know if it's because it's England because it's Kane. I feel like it's a, a touch on the short side um, mm. for me, especially because I don't think England will will play the full seven games. Um, whereas like an Argentinian player or a Brazil player most likely will. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Other than that, yeah, they're the main ones, I think, for me. There's no one outside of, of Vinny at 40s which really stands out for me. One final uh, outsider that I'd like to throw out there is uh, he's at uh, 120. 120.0 and it's uh, Dusan Vlahovic. I mean, if I'm going to mention that I think Serbia will do well, then obviously that means they're going to score goals. Where are those goals going to come from? Maybe Mitro, but I think Vlahovic, who's on penalties and is a very, very, very talented direct free kick taker as well. Um, you know, obviously people in, in England are a bit more comfortable with Mitro and, and know what he's about, but Vlajevic is by far and away the better player and yeah, he's a, a ginormous price. So if you're on the if you're on the Serbian train with me, then uh, one ticket to uh, Dusan Vlajevic at one twenties. Cool. Okay. Uh, anything else that we should touch on? No, just or... a, just a recap really. Uh, remember the uh, betting book which we used uh, a lot of tonight is available for everyone free of charge just retweet us on twitter you're also going to want to follow us on twitter to get our daily tips every single game we will be putting out a tip in partnership with matchbook and also please remember that we'll be doing a knockout pod as well once uh, all the groups are wrapped up so t underscore fb podcast is the twitter handle yeah, please do check that out. And of course, if you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your pods. Um, and we will be back with a knockout preview pod in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, everyone enjoy the group stages. Of course, if you're having any bets, let us know what you've got on and your winners as we send out the daily Twitter tips. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you for the knockouts. <laughs>